Welcome to Autism Elements Podcast. My name is Natalia. I am a full-time special education curriculum program specialist and consultant. I want to share my experiences in special education from working in the sixth largest district in the United States. From being a social worker to classroom assistant to teacher and now working at the district level. I want to give you strategies and best practices to create successful environments for individuals with disabilities. So if you're looking for actionable steps, inspiration, and are ready to create an impact, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to another podcast episode with Natalia from Autism and Exceptional Learner Elements. In today's podcast, as requested by my followers, I decided to post a podcast on how to work with nonverbal students. So how this all came about is one day I got an email from one of my schools that I support, and they were asking me help for working with nonverbal students. So this is the scenario. This particular school has received a student from out of state, so they really do not know much about the student. And the child is nonverbal and has difficulty even using their device. So they do have a device, however, they have very little knowledge on how to utilize it. And because they're so new, they have no idea how to target. Now here's the thing, working with nonverbal students is no different than working with any other kid but you do have to think outside the box and you have to try to find very creative ways to gauge their learning and how they process being the fact that they're nonverbal. The first thing we're going to start talking about is that device. So one of my conversations that I had with this person was, what are we doing to teach this child how to utilize that device? Just like we do with any other skill, all skills must be taught to students with special needs. It is no different. They just may require more steps to get there, but they can be taught. So a lot of times we expect students to just know, and it doesn't quite work that way. You have to put in the time and invest. So they did tell me that this particular child does have a, you know, a Nova Chad or an iPad or a tablet device where they can communicate through it. Now, what I did tell them from my experience is that when I had students like this, if I was first starting to teach how to utilize devices, I always started with very low tech devices. I know we're all about technology guys and hey, it is amazing, but we have to start somewhere. So if the student is not responding to that high tech device, go for a low tech device, like a tech talk or one that you just press a button and it basically tells you whatever it is. And then I told them, I said, you want to start utilizing your common things that you use in the classroom. So the way I always started teaching was four basic things. I used to teach my students, hello, goodbye, snack and bathroom. Every time that we came in the classroom, we had to press the button so we can say hello to everyone. Every time we were going to have snack, I would show my student the snack and they had to press the snack word. And I will model this over and over again. Eventually, I started doing the process of I do, we do it together, and then you do. So my student, then I would show them the snack. And until they didn't press snack, they couldn't quite get it. Now, I told you guys I did use low-tech devices and I even did communication boards because you know what, guys? A voice is a voice. 
okay? And however we use for our students to communicate, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a high-tech device. It doesn't have to be an iPad and it doesn't even have to be a tablet. For all we know, you could just put it in as long as something could reply it back, we're trying to engage and elicit that language from the student, okay? And that is their voice. So we wanna have common things. So I told you know the school that I'm working with, I said, you wanna make sure that you use and teach, start teaching these core words, things that we use commonly. Again, snack, maybe water, bathroom, help, yes, no. Your very basic things so you can be consistent in utilizing this. Now, the key is that you have to use these words if you're teaching a device every day and everyone has to do it. Not just you, but your assistants in your classroom as well and the staff working with this particular child. We want to keep reinforcing that device so the student will be more likely to use it. I got to tell you guys a story. I remember I had a student, a second grader student. He had actually a Nova Chad. And it's basically like, you know, again, it's, it's a Samsung tablet with a communication device installed in it. Okay. It's an app. So the student, you know what, we were teaching them again, we were teaching them snack, we were teaching them all of that. One day I remember, um, I used to love having parties in my classroom. And for every reason, we always had like snacks and donuts and chips and cookies. I mean, you name it, every type of probably unhealthy snack that we can have in my class. And I remember one day I was you know, we were trying to teach the student over and over again to, to use it appropriately, because that's the thing. We have to teach our students how to use these AAC devices appropriately. So one time, I know we were uh, transitioning centers, and I had a box of Dunkin' Donuts sitting on my counter. And all of a sudden, from far, I hear donuts, donuts. And I'm like, what is that noise? I'm like looking at my paras, and I just keep hearing donuts. And all of a sudden, Okay, because we have been teaching this. I hear a full sentence saying, I want donuts. And then my student just kept pressing it over and over again. Now I must tell you, it was not the appropriate time. And no, it wasn't, you know, what he was supposed to be doing. But you don't understand. I was so happy to see that our hard work of teaching this child consistently to use the device for other things that he figured out how to ask for those donuts. So guess what? It melted my heart and I had to reinforce that behavior. So he got his donut way ahead of time, not in snack time. But I must just remind you guys that we have to teach our students, especially those nonverbal students. And like I told you, even if you feel like it's too much for the child, a high tech device, go through a low tech. I don't know what it is, but we're downgrading our low tech devices. I find them amazing. If you know what a Big Mac is, those are the best, okay? I'm not saying invest in those because they're quite expensive, but and I'm not endorsing them either, but I must tell you it was the best. We had one for the bathroom. Every time the child went to the bathroom, they had to press it, say bathroom. So that was their way of learning how to request for the bathroom. Same thing for the snack, same thing for water. Uh, I love my low-tech devices because sometimes those low-tech devices that only have four to six grids or even eight grids, they actually have different levels. So you can pre-record and all you have to do is switch the visual card. So like I used to have level one was my morning group, level two was my basic skills, level three was like my specials for that student. And they were able to switch out all we had to do is just remove the visual card, which was the, the visual icons. And again, you can use it. You can preprint this and laminate them and have them ready. So it was really useful to me to be able to do this, especially for those kids who were still struggling with those high-tech devices. But again, 
Just because they struggle does not mean that we're going to take away their voice. So it is very important that not only do we carry this throughout our day, but that we transition it, that we teach it in teacher time, that we teach it in whole group. And I told the school, I said, listen, I'm not expecting you to teach this entire device in one day, but pick a few words or a few visuals that you want to highlight and work on to start teaching. We have to start somewhere, guys. You will not teach this device in one day, just like I said, but we can start teaching. Like I said, you're very basic, you know, teach snack, teach bathroom. These are things we use probably every single day, lunch. Okay. Or I'm hungry. I mean, there's many ways that you can target some of these vocabulary and making the student become proficient and creating and being heard and state their wants and needs. So that was the first thing that, you know, the, the school was kind of addressing. They also had other questions. The next question was, um, how do they develop IEP goals? Now, when you're working with nonverbal students, there are a few things you have to keep in mind. Our way of working with these students are not gonna be expressive as they do not have a voice at this current moment, but it does not mean they can't communicate in alternate ways. So what I did tell my school is you want to start creating receptive activities. And that means that the student is going to point to or give you. Now, here's the part that I know a lot of people like frown upon and they're like, oh my God, but at what time? I get it. Listen, I know we don't have enough time, but you have to invest in creating materials that will target your students' needs. And in this case, if you have a nonverbal student, you're going to have to come up with visual cards or cards or, you know, ways that the student can point, like print out a page where a child can point. And if you are having a student pointing at something, here's another thing to keep in mind. Make sure that the presentation that you're giving the student is big enough for the child to be able to point to it clearly. So I tell my staff, do not create a visual card that has maybe 27 alphabet letters. Maybe you wanna do like cut up cards, like almost like index cards and put a letter at a time. And I used to do that super quick, just get an index card pack and like do some shapes, do some colors, do some numbers, do some um, capital letters and lowercase letters, and then just put it in front of the child. Super easy way, informal. Data is data, guys, okay? It's just a way to guide yourself to get some understanding of what the child understands. So I used to just, again, get some index cards and do some basic things, and then I would assess my student. Now, here's how I would assess my student to begin with. First, I would put three options in front of the child. So again, that's a multiple choice, just in a hands-on format. You would put three options. So let's say that I did... Um, a, B, C, right? And I mix the order up and I would tell my student, can you please give me or point to letter B? Okay, if they're struggling, we're going to write down, student was provided a field of three. However, when he re responded incorrectly, we move down to a field of two. So you take away one of those answers and provide a field of two and see if the student obviously, you know, switch around, maybe move the letters. Can the student perform that way? We are testing the letters right there, the letter names, okay? Now, one thing I did tell my school as well is if you're doing letter names and sounds, especially with nonverbal students, you wanna test letter names with uppercase and lowercase. You would be surprised how many students can identify uppercase letter names 
but not lowercase or vice versa. So do not rule out if you just tested uppercase. You can test the sounds that way. You can test beginning and ending sounds the same way. Do not underestimate my students who do not verbally speak. Their minds are running 10,000 miles. And I promise you, if you just invest the time, took me a little lesson that my students taught me, but if you invest the time, these students have so much going on in their little brains. We just need to learn how to access it. Okay. So again, do not underestimate my nonverbal students. They have a lot in their minds. It's just, it takes us to think outside the box and be creative on how to pull out all that information out. So again, doing receptive activities and informal assessments, and again, checklists and things like that. It may take you time to create these materials, but this is what I told my staff. Listen, Create it, laminate it, you will have it in the future. This child will probably not be the only one that comes across your, your career that might be nonverbal, and now you have these things. Same thing for teaching. So another thing that I also told them, I said, is now we have to not only assess how what skills the child has, but you also have to assess how they process information. So we're going to use the concept of moving from a more concrete to abstract concept. And you may be asking yourself, well, what exactly do you mean by that? And, and it could be tricky. So I am going to give you guys an, a, an example. So we may start with some 3D objects of a ball. So we're just going to use a ball because that's a very common thing we have in school. Or let's even talk about like a pencil. Okay. So we are going to start with pencils. And I might start with the object and maybe put different objects along things that don't make sense. Like I would put like cars and like, I don't know, an apple next to it and say, can you give me the pencil? So now you're starting to see if with the concrete object, the 3D object can the student identify out of a field of three or four or even a basket. I mean, we can test all of those skills. And then you're going to go into then showing them a photograph. So again, now you're going to do the same, the same objects and photographs. So you're going to do maybe a pencil, an apple, a ball, and a car, right? So you're going to put photographs of those. And now you're testing, can they visually represent with a photograph? Then you're going to test to see if they were successful with that. Now you're going to add an actual visual icon. Okay, so a clip art, a graphic, can the student, and actually that's actually level two, a picture or um, a graphic is the next representation after a photograph. And then you actually go into the visual icons because visual icons are more like line, like almost like stick figures. So they have even less um, information in it. So then you're gonna do that and see, can they do it with a visual icon? And then we're gonna incorporate words. So can they translate? So if you notice, I just show you the entire process of how can the student perform or how do they visually understand? Okay, can they perform better when they have objects? Can they perform better when they have photographs or then, you know, graphics or pictures or clip art or visual icons and then words? And the reason why you definitely want to assess this is because this is going to guide you on how to teach them in general. Okay, so if a student is working at a photograph level, do you think if you present clip art or visual icons, they're going to be able to understand the same way? Probably not. So that is letting you know a little bit about how their brain is functioning. So keep that in mind as well when you're working with these students. This is something you want to test so you can have an idea where they are learning, you know, engages the most, where you get the most or best results from. You also want to 
um, have another idea of, again, teaching with objects. I mean, come on, we do this with our younger grades all the time. So if you're teaching numbers, maybe I would put blocks in front of me, okay? Can you give me uh, three blocks? So one of the things I did bring up, as I said, when you're going to be asking for quantities, for example, do not place an entire bin filled with thousands of blocks. Try to put only like 10 blocks if you're going to be testing numbers one through 10. So don't overwhelm the child because that can lead into behavior too. So I want to make sure that you have a very concise and precise setting for the child to be productive. Now, what that's going to tell you is can they really pull out three objects out of 10, right? If that was your number, or maybe you put the number three in the card and say, give me three right? And you can do this with so many different things. I used to do it sometimes with edibles because that's what caught my students' attention. And the reward was if you perform right, you can eat the edibles at the end, you know, which was there. I know right now we're in different times, but just putting some ideas out there if you really have to engage your students. So that was one thing that I used to do. Um, another thing is how to, again, we talked about how to respond. So again, thinking outside that box, you know, it, they're no different than any other student. Okay. And just because they're nonverbal, it makes them different than the rest. I have seen even students in the general education classrooms who are really struggling and need more hands-on and manipulatives. That's just really how you have to think. Think outside the box. Think that you're investing this time to work with these students. And I promise you it's going to work. So the other question that I had that was brought up to me when we were consulting on this particular um, student and case was, what exactly do I do for goals and, and what do like, where do I get my information for an IEP? Now, a lot of the things I told you, you can definitely document and you want to document, like, does a student respond better out of a field of three of four, you know, of two, um, does the student respond better when they have objects or when they have photographs or visuals and icons? And probably your, most of your data will be based on receptive you know, informal assessments, the student was able to point or give the teacher X, Y, and Z. Now, I am going to preface right now before I go into the next part that I'm going to tell you when working with nonverbal students is that I do not ever endorse. I'm not part of any company, but I will tell you from my experience programs that I have utilized with my students that have helped me and have been successful. Um, when it comes to working with students with autism spectrum disorder and even some IND students, I have utilized the STAR um, curriculum and you can look it up. I can't remember right now what it stands for. I want to say is I think is strategies for students with autism. And what I liked about that program is they do have three different levels and it assesses based more, most of it in observation and imitation process and some very pre-basic skills. But it gives you a profile and it has like different domains. So I think one of them is like receptive language, expressive language, social interaction play, pre-academic uh, skills is another one. And it's a good way to organize your thoughts and give you IEP ideas. So again, IEP goals ideas. So I used to assess my students using the STAR learning profile and I would see more or less where the student would score in one domain. And if they mastered the domain for level one, like if they did receptive great in level one and master all the skills they provide in that level, I would assess them in level two. So there were times where I had students actually scoring in different levels, depending on the area I was testing or observing. Um, but I really do like it because it breaks it down to a point that really helps out. And it gives you the idea for the IEP goal, even though, again, 
I never name a curriculum directly in the IEP goal, but I can utilize some of their wording, verbiage, and strategies and methodologies. So that was one of the ones that I used with my nonverbal. I also used um, the Brigands, which is another great observational tool based on developmental age and based on skills that we gather as we grow. So they do cover a lot of different areas. So this was another great tool that helped me build my entire IEP domains, like, you know, for all the different areas, like curriculum, social, and independent functioning too. So it does go through those developmental stages. And then for more academic, I did used to use just very basic number sense ideas um, at the very beginning. Like I said, I had a student who can basically do all the work. They just didn't have an actual voice, but they, with their communication devices and all of that, this the student performed just like their grade level peers. He was actually a genius. And it's just a matter of accommodating and, and just basically working around his needs and meeting his needs in an alternate way. Um, another program that they use academically was SMILE. So if you haven't heard about this, this is a program created by NSLP. And when you're looking it up, you actually have to put s.m.i.l.e. And I can't remember what it stands for. You know, us but people and acronyms are incredible. But this is another great resource that you guys can look into. Um, and I love her assessment because it is mostly receptive, the beginning assessments to kind of gauge where the student is at. But it does cover all the things from colors, nouns, and just very basic beginning developmental sounds based on how we are supposed to learn our sounds by our mouthing and like speech process. So it is a good program that you could look into. I must honestly say though, I'm gonna put a disclaimer out there. There are sometimes these programs can make you want to, um, you know, struggle a little bit with trying to keep teaching them. But if you are utilizing them with consistency and fidelity, you can combine them sometimes and they have great success, guys. I know that it seems very repetitious, these programs, but our kids thrive on repetition. And I have had students even learn how to speak through some of these programs. So, you know, don't be discouraged. I mean, I know to me the most challenging Part of my job was working with some of these nonverbal students, but I also must tell you that as difficult as it was, they were actually my most rewarding students because when I saw them make gains after all the hard work my parents and I did with these kids, it was so rewarding to know that we were part of that beautiful process of that child learning despite when everybody thought they would never learn. So do not underestimate these nonverbal babies I have had a kid who we thought he would never speak and came along fourth grade when he started speaking after much, much intervention and consistency from the teacher he had. I think he shook everybody in our entire department when we were in that school. I just, I literally was amazed. And he was part of one of my learning lessons that never underestimate their capabilities. So I hope today has shed some light. I know you guys are doing amazing things and I most likely this is just a conversation that once we talked about it and you listened to it, you were like, oh yeah, because that's exactly what happened in my conversation with the school I was supporting. Once we kind of started talking, they were like, oh my God, I know all of this. I'm like, I know you do. You just had to talk it through. So I feel like sometimes that's all it is. We just have to talk it through 
and see, you know, some of these process and you guys are doing some of it. But remember, if they have a device, you need to teach it just like any other skill. If you're overwhelmed by it, just start with a few words or even just one word. And then once they master that, keep adding more. And I promise you're just going to keep building. And again, just think outside the box, get more creative, do more receptive activities, and you will do great and see great, great changes. Okay, so I hope today was a shed of light. This was a special request by my followers. So I hope you learned something and that it was useful to you. But I hope to see you next time on the next episode and have a wonderful day, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date with our most recent content. I would love to hear your feedback and comments. Feel free to post questions and thoughts. See you on the next podcast. Thank you.